Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Slow Twitch Podcast. As always, I'm joined by Ryan Heisler. And for this week's episode, we have a special guest. Ryan, do you want to introduce our guest? See, I, I thought the script said you'd be introducing. Yes. Bye. I know, but, but we, we've talked about this. Sometimes we don't want to follow the script. Oh, fine, fine. So Simon Whitfield has decided to uh, grace us with his presence here this week on uh, episode three of the podcast. Congratulations on being our first guest. Um, we had many people attempting to vie for this position, but uh, we have deemed that you're going to be our first guest. So welcome. I'm an old, I'm an old, old fan of Slow Twitch. So as soon as I heard you had a podcast and Eric and I have our banter going on text, I... Uh, yeah, it's fun to be here. It's a great place. <laughs> That's awesome. Great fun. Well, we've got a lot to discuss before we chat with Simon. Um, so let's just go ahead and start our, our weekend cap, uh, recap of what is going on with the world of triathlon. Um, Ryan, do you want to take it away and talk about some of the things that you want to yeah, I mean, discuss? So, I mean, I think one of the things we wanted to touch on really quickly was actually some of the gear that is coming out and stuff that we're really intrigued by um on the website and so like i recently just did a long-term review of ango's sunglasses um super cool you can check that out on the home page but i've really been surprised by um just how frankly a easy and b durable um, those sunglasses are. So that display is super cool. And I know, Eric, you've been working on a little review yourself. Yeah, real quick. Did you ever figure out if you like them for running or not? So I personally am an athlete that struggles when I see data all the time in front of me, particularly on the run. Like I have to go off a of feel. And so like for running, they're not totally for me, but like for cycling, I think they're brilliant. And the one thing that would make them even better is if you could get like a variety, like the Garmin radar alert in the glass, like that would take yeah. it to the next level. Yeah. That would eliminate a lot of the um, like side mirrors that a lot of yep. cyclists are choosing to, to go off of just because, you know, you're, you're facing forward and your ability to be notified that someone's behind you and to pay attention would be pretty cool. Yeah. Cycling is the big thing that I see those glasses uh, personally for. Um, I see it as a safety thing where you don't have to have your head completely down, you know, all the time uh, to look at the stuff that you're trying to focus on from a watt perspective or whatnot. And so just to be able to have that display all the time um, in your visual sight to me is, is pretty cool. And being able to just sort of like adjust what you're seeing by just literally you just swipe in front of your eyes and it changes which data fields you have going. So you set it, you know, in advance and then like however you want, whatever you might need, you just can get right through it. And so um, really, really cool setup. And I mean, just it works out of the box, which I was really kind of surprised by because some other stuff has just not worked that well. Yeah, it's pretty intuitive for the average consumer to get out and set up. And I was surprised at that. I, at first, when I we were asked to review it, I was like, oh, man, I'm going to be like, you know, the, the technical idiot that I am. I'm going to have a hard time putting these things together and, and getting them, 
you know, downloaded and, and ready to go. It was pretty easy for me. And, and it, they're actually not that expensive either. Like considering the fact that, you know, there's a lot of sunglasses out there that are in the, you know, $299, $300 range for this to be a really good sunglass and be able to do all the things that it does. I was surprised at the price point. Yep, definitely. So I know you're also kind of about to do something with challenge tires, which is really kind of cool. Too. Yeah, that'll actually go out today. They uh, released a new XP line for their uh, getaway uh, tire. Um, challenge is a handmade tire company. Uh, they've been around for a couple decades now. It's a family owned business. Uh, they've they, they took over a factory in Taiwan in the late 90s from Pirelli and tried to license a particular tire from Pirelli for a little while. Uh, it just didn't kind of work out. Uh, and so they ended up just creating what we know today as Challenge Tires and the brand. And they've been making handmade tires ever since. It's not an in-depth review because... I'm not a technical tire person, right. um, but it it, it kind of goes in line with the average user that is, uh, you know, needing to buy a tire and uh, wanting to, to have a good decision on, on where to buy it and how to buy it. So uh, Ryan Risch will do a lot more technical stuff on the handmade aspect of what the difference between a handmade tire is and like a convention tire at like the big factories. So he's got a bunch of those tires and some other tires too. We're going to roll into some stuff with Kadix uh, next week with some of their tires. Um, I'm working on some Kadix wheel reviews as well. So that'll be pretty cool. Um, and then Dan's got a couple of reviews that are coming up as well. So we're, you know, kind of back to the basics with a lot of product reviews that are going on at, at slow twitch. And the thing that I'm kind of excited, right? Like in terms of just who we have writing for us and everything is like, we're really hyper focused on, you know, what's this going to be like for the average person who might have some technical knowledge, but they're not overly geeky yeah if the new consumer can't come to our website and and understand what we're talking about when we do a review we have failed yeah in our review process and it's the same thing if a really technical person can't come and find some technical information within that review as well that that educates them we have also failed. Right. And so it's I've, we've given the challenge to myself and you and Dan and everybody to kind of rethink how we are doing reviews so that the, the brand new person in the sport can learn something and the person that's been around for 20 years and writes in our form five times a day can also feel like they got something out of the review that they just read. Yeah, exactly. Um, the other thing, you know, just looking at this past weekend, we had another World Triathlon Championship Series race. Phenomenal day for Great Britain with uh, Alex Yee, Georgia Taylor-Brown winding up winning. Um, women's side of stuff, really kind of intriguing as you see um, kind of the U.S. side really starting to develop with its selection process and the criteria behind uh, what you might see going forward into the Paris test event and the, uh, and the 2024 selection. The other thing that's kind of intriguing out there, right. Is, you know, Gwen Jorgensen, as she continues her comeback, you know, rode as an alternate uh, to the last race, didn't wind up actually being able to compete. And then, um, you know, lapped out on this week's race. And so question, you know, 
even in our forum, like lots of people talking, you know, is she going to be, you know, in a position to actually take one of the slots uh, for 2020? How does she do that? Because right now, from a form perspective, like there's no way. I mean, she got lapped out. So um, if you look at the U.S. Olympic Committee's selection process, so there's there's two ways to qualify. So you have the auto qualification standard, right? So the first thing that has to happen is Gwen has to be one of the top 140 athletes in the individual rankings overall. Is she doing that? Uh, she's on the borderline. And then um, from there, you have the auto qualification, which comes from the test event and then two other races If in the event that no one actually fills out the squad at that point. And then from there, it goes to discretion. And the criteria is written in such a way that it pretty much gives the selection committee, as long as someone's in the top 140, they can pick whoever the heck they want. Because the auto qualifying slots are for, they want people who can medal in the individual event. And then the committee is given wide discretion of, do we want to go for somebody who might medal individually, someone who might medal for mixed team relay? Do we want to go for a domestique who can set the pace in the swim, the bike, be a pacer on the run, whatever you might need? Um out of that squad. And so like, it's just going to be interesting to see how that dynamic plays out. Um, particularly as USAT kind of evolves over time. Um, because we've seen a lot of change over the last six to eight months, uh, both in their regular leadership, right. With Rocky resigning and now Victoria Bloomfield as CEO, but also on the coaching and high performance side, like there's been a lot of turnover and things are interesting there. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and we're talking about a phenomenal athlete. I mean, I mean, Gwen Jorgensen is a legend when it comes to that type of racing. I mean, I and and so I just I wonder, you know, it would be curious, Gwen, if you're if you're listening to this or or Patrick or whoever, um, we'd love to talk to you about this eventually at some point if you're comfortable with it, because you know what is your plan going into this? Is this where I would, I would be very interesting to, to hear if, is, if this was where she thought she was going to be at this point. Um, if she's got a, a game plan where she's just about to start coming into form or if this is it, um, you know, I, I don't really know what to, I, I remember her coming back into it and I had mixed emotions where I was just like, geez, man, like, do you, do you risk your legacy of what you had by, you know, coming back into, cause these, these females are so fast right now. And, you know, it's, it's kind of like, you know, when you talk about the Norwegians where, you know, they were dominating, you know, the short course, they went to long course, they came back, they're having a really hard time. You know, Gwen dominated short course. And then she went over and she tried to do marathon running and, is she able to come back and dominate again? Love to get Simon's input on this at some point. Right. The The other thing that I find really intriguing about that is that the U.S. women are so deep right now, right? Like, oh, they're, that's what I mean. They're so – they're fast. Like, they're quick. 
talented, talented athletes that have been focused on this for, you know, five or six years straight, right? Like ever since, I mean, you had athletes that are, that are coming around this Olympic cycle that, that kind of, in my opinion, got shafted the last Olympic cycle that should have been an Olympic squad that weren't. I mean, Taylor Spivey is, she is quick and she's ready to go. Derek, I'm jumping in here. All right. I'm jumping in with opinions. <laughs> Off the top rope. Off the top rope. Um, I think when you love doing something as much as she obviously loves it, and when you just love being engaged in it and seeing what you can get out of it, there is no question about whether or not you do it. And, you know, wh- how that plays out, we'll see. But I get it. I get the idea that you just want to know. And um, I really admire, you know, I take a lot of courage to do that. They're like, as you alluded to, from an ego perspective, there's a lot to lose. It feels like there's a lot to lose, but for her, I'm sure it isn't. It's just the love of doing it and seeing what you can do. And uh, the whole journey of that's going to be up and down. You know, it was never going to be a, a straight line to success. The, the lab just, you know, partly because the level's gone up, but also just that's the nature of competing and all the different variables that are there. Um, yeah, I really admired. I, I, I talked to Pat and I love that, they just threw their hat in the ring and it will unfold. You know, the whole politics piece, I don't care about um, that will, that will unfold. Um, if she puts herself in a position where she shows the ability to perform on the day and somebody thinks that that's the, the ticket to the best chance to win a medal and whether it's the individual or the mixed team relay, so be it. Um, that will unfold as me. It's easy. It's easy to put together pieces where you think like, Oh, this and that, you know, the politics of this and that. So what, um, the, the other athletes, if they don't want, if they want to qualify, they'll have to put together better results. They'll have to make it, they'll have to go to get that automatic qualifier. Then they don't, there's no disputing it. I always think what's funny when people get in this position where they're stuck with discretion and they don't like the discretion. You know how you avoid discretion? You go get automatically qualified, and then you don't have to be part of that conversation. Um, so we'll see. I don't know. I really admire her for going for it, though. And, and I mean, I think, you know, we go back to the last cycle, right? I think it was Katie Zafaris who wound up with the discretionary slot, which wound up specifically being for mixed team relay. And of course the U S meddled there. Um, and so like you bring up like a great point, like don't like discretion, like don't leave it up to discretion go, you have to go get it. Or you have to be so good that you're making that discretion judgment look really, really, really bad. Yeah, that's it. Put your feet in your own hands. I don't know. I liked when the discretion, when the criteria came out for Olympics, I always thought it was telling who asked the most questions about the easiest way to get in. I always thought that was like an indication when you're sitting in a room and someone was like, so technically, if I were to technically go, you know, and I was thinking, that seems like a awfully convoluted way to get into this. You know, can I just get the, uh, what's the, what's the first criteria? Okay. If you win, am I in? Yes. Okay, good. Let's go after that. And I understand that that's not it. I don't know. It's just a mindset thing that I think she possesses. Well, we know she possesses. She's she's got the proofs in the pudding. So, yeah, we'll see how that unfolds. It sure adds some intrigue to the whole, you know, Olympic trials and and the actual race. Um, again, yeah, you unleash that run of hers on anybody, and 
it's unquestioned, you know, there she is, her pedigree is there. So we'll see. Yeah, she's obviously very committed. You know, Simon, you bring a really good point that Ryan and I, obviously, it's not that we don't have, but we don't truly understand like you do, um, you know, because you've been there. Um, we, we are not professional athletes, nor have we ever, nor will we ever be professional athletes at that, at that level. And for you to be able to understand that you bring a really good point to that. And, you know, clearly that is something that is probably very, you know, accurate with her and, and, and what she's doing. I mean, uh, you know, just for her to travel all the way to, was, was it Japan? Where, where was that race? Yeah. Or she, yeah. I mean that I read that and I'm like, man, that's, that's expensive. Like that's an expensive gamble. Um, you know, not only from like a time perspective, but also like from a financial perspective, like to be able to go there just in hopes that she could potentially race. Um, you know, so obviously she's very, she's very dedicated. And, you know, the one thing I will say about Gwen that, that I've always admired about her is she doesn't care about what other people think. She she does what Gwen does and her and Pat are just, they're kind of, they're on their own, um, you know, path and, and they're, and they're consistent with that, which means they obviously believe that, you know, truthfully, uh, to keep going because, you know, she's never somebody that, um, backs down, uh, to any of the naysayers or the trolls out there. She's just, this is what I'm doing and I'm going to go do it. And, um, you know, she presses forward regardless of the outcome. So, uh, we'll see. The other thing that's playing there is that once you're out of that, I mean, I find this 10 years out, you never can get back in. You know, once that, once you hit and it is the end, you're, you look at Tom, even Tom Brady, it was, uh, that was the case, you know, he really should have ended it when he ended it. Um, it's, uh, it's such a joy to be able to do that. And so I understand this desire to, to keep going. And, uh, you know, consequences be damned um, to just to find out. You know, Simon, it kind of dovetails a little bit with a question that's been sitting in the back of my head, right? Like, but, you know, you've had that perspective of like, this is the end, right? Like, and what was like, what was that moment or something for you where it was like, I have to hit the button now? Like, and what's, what was the process for you, like being able to like handle that, right? Because that's probably like, there's no way, you know, like you get blown out of the water a little bit with a few races and it's like, can I get back there? Like, is, is this it? Like, how, how do you process that as an athlete? It's a slow twitcher that, uh, that I, uh, Jordan rap. I went down to thousand Oaks and stayed with Jordan and Jill in 2013 and I saw the level of commitment that he still had and the details he was putting in and the hours he was putting in. And I just was faced with this, this like, Oh, I don't, I, I don't do this anymore at this level. I have too much respect for the commitment and sacrifice it takes. And when I sat down, it was April of 2013. I was thinking about still racing and I was just confronted with this. Oh, wow. I just don't, this is not my, priority anymore my priority is being home with family and and different things you know there's the new new chapters of life um and so it really was a commitment to just honoring the sacrifice that it takes and not fooling myself or disrespecting the, the you know that commitment 
Um, and so, yeah, I remember being in, in Thousand Oaks and seeing Jordan do what he was doing. And he was super focused. And I was just like, oh, that's just not my, this is not my world anymore. And I, I never, yeah, after 2012 and then that stint there, I never raced again. And, you know, and that had a whole series of its own consequences. Um, I, I think it took me almost 10 years to do hard things again. When I say hard things, you know, it's, uh, there's a difference between a workout where you have intervals that you're counting down and you're thinking, I, I can't even, I've got, I'm at number seven and I'm doing 10 and I can't even fathom doing the next, th- this next one, let alone the next three. That's hard. And playing soccer, paddling, all the things that I've been doing since I retired from sport, they're not hard, they're fun. They get difficult, but there's a big distinction there. You know, there's not like I, the only way I could make paddling hard was go out and inclement weather. So I had to like, oh, I'm going to get blown out to sea if I don't, you know, if I don't, <laughs> if this is hard, but that's difficult. It's not mentally hard. It's actually quite the opposite. That was quite invigorating. And, uh, I did, it was last summer that I started, I did a bit of the cold plunge thing just cause you know, everybody seems to need to Instagram about it. And so I, uh, <laughs> I got in on that and I know what I think the, the thing was, I noticed was like, oh wow, I'm doing hard things again. This is hard. It's hard to be dry and, and warm and then go get cold and wet. That's a hard thing, you know? And it was the first time in 10 years, literally the first time in 10 years, I've done it kind of something that was a choice between you know, the ease of not doing it and the, the difficulty of doing it. And so, um, yeah, all the way back to the original question, that's that once that thing turns off where you're no longer willing to do hard things or you don't want, you know, whatever you're making different life choices, uh, then it's over. But it, back to, all the way back to Gwen, she, she's choosing because she wants, she still loves doing hard things. This right. is a very hard thing. And I just have super, I just have a lot of admiration for that. Simon, that was when you and I, kind of first started to be introduced to each other was when I remember when you went to Jordan's house mm-hmm. to, to do those training and stuff. And I, I remember asking him like, how is Simon doing? And he's just like, his neck hurts a lot. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Cause you were, you were thinking about going to long course racing, like doing yeah. the half Ironmans and stuff. And so you were, you know, we, we kind of talked about this last week on our episode where, um, you know, you take like a Flora Duffy who's been in the Olympic mode in the, in the Xterra world and you, and you put her on a time trial bike and it's just different for her, right? Like she's been having all sorts of back issues and stuff because it's such a different, you know, experience from what they're used to. And, um, you know, it, and so it's, it's interesting that, that, that was, um, kind of a, a, a moment in time for you where you, where you were like, man, I, I don't know if I can do this anymore or yeah, if I want to do this anymore. Yeah. It's the all consuming piece to it. It really is. Yeah. I mean, it's so to try and compete at that level and honor the gift. It's just, it's gotta be get obsessed, stay obsessed. The world according to T.S. Garp, you know, and if you don't have that, then, then don't dishonor the, the don't disrespect the, the, what the sacrifice other people make. I always had a hard time with that when athletes would come to the training center and they would say, you know, yeah, I'm doing this. I'm going to go to the Olympics. I'm also going to school and I'm going to go to my, my best friend's wedding in the middle of the summer. And I'm going to go on a, on a trip with my friends, you know, for a little bit. And I'm like, okay, wait a minute here. You know, there's those of us who are putting at all and everything into this. And you think you, you must be talented. 
you must be very, very talented to think that you can come along and put in less than less than 100%. So I, I never wanted to disrespect the gift like that. Um, and then, yeah, you know, that's funny. You referenced the, the neck injury. That uh, that piece right there is the other funny. There's, there's some irony in that because I did that. I hurt myself in Switzerland trying to go up the steepest climb. And, every, and our training squad was trying to get up this very, very steep road. And I just willed myself to the top of it. And I, my neck was never the same. And I always thought that's kind of funny. Eh? Like you, your, my ego needed to be the one that made it up to the top. And years later, I still have a kink in my neck that, that affects me in a way that the idea of doing like I, once I got in that time trial position, I was like, Oh, that's not going to happen. That is just absolutely not going to happen where and, and you know what, maybe that could have done all the physio and all the stuff. And again, it was a matter of like, Oh man, am I really good? Is this my life again? Um, I can't go to the kids, can't go to the park with the kids because I'm dad's doing iron neck exercises. You know, I, uh, I just, that's just wasn't for me anymore. So there you go. Yeah. Now fast forward 10 years from then and, but you're, you're kind of back in the sport a little bit, but you've got all sorts of really cool roles that you're, you're doing. Um, why don't you talk to us a little bit about some of those roles you you just got brought on by the feed i believe to kind of manage the professional athletes like what are you doing uh yeah i i haven't i hadn't done much i had barely been i i'd stay in touch with the sport by following it but i wasn't actually involved in any way um i don't know i spent from age 12 till 37 thinking about swim bike run nutrition sleep every day all day and so for, I don't know, nine and a half years, I spent kind of playing soccer, paddling, uh, catching up, you know, spending time with my family um, and then and staying in touch with the sport peripherally. And then in October, November, uh, through a, a, a venture capital fund that I did some work with here in Canada, they uh, involved with the feed. I got asked just some questions around how would you approach triathlon if you were the feed? And I wrote up a bit of a, like, that's, I would do, I know you're doing this, but here's all the things I would do. Uh, here's the people I would connect with. Eric Wynn, top first. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, they said, well, great. You need ideas. Go for it. Why don't you want to see how you do with that? And uh, I just, it was, you know, first and foremost, it was just, I really enjoyed being part of a team for the nine years before that I sat across the desk for myself. You know, I'd be at like a, I would, my business was sitting on one side of the desk and then saying something and then I run to the other side of the desk and I'd be like, Oh, that's a great idea. Simon. Good job. Sounds terrific. And so to be part of a team and have accountability and um, to meet everybody in person. And I took till March, you know, six months in, a little less than six months in to meet everybody in person, but to be down in Bloomfield, and meet the crew and just, it's a great group of great people. You know, it's, I, that's the part I actually enjoy the most. And then working with the athletes has been all sorts of everything. <laughs> it's been, uh, I, I've been to be reconnected, to see glimpses into the life I used to lead uh, to, to really honor again, the high performance aspect of it, where you've got athletes that are looking after every single detail. Um, I've really enjoyed being part of that. Uh, you know, it's funny. I knew Ben Canute, um, 
a little bit when I raced and, and then I followed obviously and then uh, to sign him to the team and then to spend some time with Ben and to meet his family and to see that just the level of commitment a guy like Ben puts into the day-to-day. Um, it really reminds me of all the great things about about sport, about camaraderie, about dedication. Chelsea's the same to get to know Chelsea. I saw, obviously, I watched her win Hawaii. I'm thinking this is great for our sport. There, I thought I knew all the trivia for Ironman to find out that she was the first mom to win blew me away. I would have, I would have failed that, that questionnaire. Um, and then to get to know her and to just, um, the, the journey she's been on to go from relative, you know, anonymity to being in the New York times. Um, I have a little glimpse. I've had a little glimpse of that life too. Um, and she's just an incredible ambassador for our sport, um, let alone for the feed. Um, yeah, I'm really enjoying it. It's, uh, I get to some contact with Lionel. I don't know Lionel particularly well, but he's on our team. And so to see a little bit of insight into his world and I mean, this incredible character that's made such a huge impact on our sport, um, not only as a racer, but as a media presence. I don't know what you want to call it with this YouTube phenomenon uh, to be as articulate as he is and honest as he is and and to see him go through the ups and downs and then to see a little bit of the other side of it from the back, it's been really, that's been fascinating. So yeah, I really enjoy it. It's a great job. It's a great people. Great job. Yeah. Now you, you handpicked all these athletes, correct? Uh, to an extent, I guess. Yeah. I, uh, I had a different, I, you know, whether it's the Aaron Royals who have known for a long time and, and just, admire as a, as a person. And then also to know that he's at the front of every race and he's always a presence in those races. So really understanding how the sport unfolds. Same with Ben, you know, such a strong swimmer. Um, obviously with Ashley and, and Josh, um, just a, a, just the consummate professionals and to see the level that Ashley took it to last year with the PTO and, and having seen her come up through the ranks and then really fulfilling the potential she had. Um, and then, yeah, just the, the list of athletes is it's people I really admire. It's both as first and foremost as people. And then, you know, let's figure out what, what, what happens here from a, you know, all the business side of sport, yada, yada, yada. But first and foremost, it was um, reconnecting and, and, uh, signing athletes that I thought were great people that could do great things uh, well beyond the basement. It really is an impressive squad. Um, I would have to say it's probably one of the most well thought out um, marketing attempts that I've seen from a company in a, in a long time. Um, you've got a lot of, you've got all of your bases covered. You've got really big microphones. You've got small, really, um, macro community influencers that are involved with it. Um, you know, usually you just see these companies that come up and they're like, we just want the biggest people and we want like two of them. Right. And, and that's what we're going to do. Um, you know, but you've, you've put together a real big range of athletes and they, they've all got really good presences within the, the sport as a whole, but also they, they're just masters of their little macro communities that they've developed. Um, 
and so it was it was fun to to talk to you while you were doing it and um you know obviously we had a lot of conversations about how to go about some of the the, the athletes that you were signing and, and whatnot and but to to see it come full circle and be able to see a lot of their like launch videos and things is has been really cool yeah, you know, to, to kind of see fun. so congrats congratulations on that the feed it's lucky to have you, man. There you go. I uh, enjoy it. It's a great group of great people, and we'll see. We'll see where it all goes from there. So you you used an interesting phrase like a second ago, like where you said consummate professional, right? And like for a lot of people, like including on our forum, like it, it gets brought up. Like is is being a quote unquote professional triathlete too easy? Is it? like is the definition too broad or anything else so when you say consummate professional like what does that mean to you because you know like you've been at kind of the pinnacle of our sport and you've talked about like your level of dedication and sort of like some of the people coming through training centers and stuff so i'm just i'm interested to kind of hone in on that for a second what's the uh What's the Maori expression? I won't do it justice, but it comes down to what's the most important thing. It's the people, the people, the people. Yeah. Um, and that's just, that's, that is the truth. At the end of the day, all of this is about human relations. All, you know, we're selling sports food. <laughs> we're talking about sports food yeah. on, a, on a forum, yeah. you know. Uh, at the end of the day, it is, it's all about human relations. And so... Um, and the aspirin and in, in our, in this case, it's the aspirational side of, you know, professional sport exists. I love, you know, like Lionel's video where he's talking about, um, what sport means to him. Can you picture, he puts that out, it's eight minutes long. And then, and then half a day later, I'm sitting at the table with, with the mother of my children, her partner, my two daughters, and we're listening. We've got the little phone out. And we're listening to Lionel talk about sport. And my kids are going like, and they've been around sport this, their whole existence. And yet this super powerful message about what is sport really about. And um, so, yeah, the, the people, the people, the people. So back to consummate professionals, like starts and finishes with that. Frankly, I didn't always do that. You know, I felt like I was under a lot of pressure. I felt like I didn't have a lot of, I was kind of breaking new ground because I, there wasn't precedent for um, our, the sport in Canada. I don't know. There wasn't, I didn't, I didn't have the, I didn't have the tools to navigate the, the 50 minutes of fame that came with it. It was always, it was just new ground. So I burned some bridges along the way that I look back on and go, Oh wow. If I, if I could only would only do some things differently, you don't get to do that. So either you live and learn, and don't do that again, or you continue to make those mistakes and you live a pretty long existence. Um, so all the way, again, the consummate professional starts and finishes with the, how you treat people. Do you honor the, the, that? And then, uh, and then how you apply yourself. Is it all in? Are you, are you, uh, are you saying you're professional, but really you're doing a whole bunch of other things? Are you, are you, not really honoring the fact that if you were going to compete at that high level, that if you're going to work towards competing at the highest level, are you truly doing all of the things that it takes to compete at the highest level? And so once that the people piece is checked off, I want to know that they're, they're fully and utterly committed to this. This isn't just a, a fun side gig. This is, this is the full all in. There's no other way to do it. Talk to us a little bit about your daily grind now, Simon, you know, because you, 
you you were in you know we, we talked about this earlier how you know for the majority of your life you you ate and breathed and slept triathlon and then you took a 10-year period kind of away from it and you went back to you know what i would classify as your roots you know with your your family and your kids and you got kind of reinquated with you know them and, and you you know outside of sport and now you're kind of back in it a little bit where you i'm i'm sure you're probably pretty excited to you know get back into the the swim bike run stuff but at the same time you've got this balance of what's really important and the things that you've learned over the years so now you've got this i'm sure you've got this daily grind of 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 what you do kind of walk through that for for our listeners of, of what is a day like for simon whitfield these days how do you how do you take care of yourself physically how do you take care of yourself emotionally you know how do you how do you pass on that experience to these athletes that you're working with uh <laughs> i'm not going through the exact same besides thing. banter be- <laughs> with me on over text message about dumb shit um look i go through the same struggle everybody goes through and i'm I find it quite interesting that at one point in my life, I never, I never broke the 10 second rule once in my whole coming up when the 10 second rule was it's five o'clock in the morning. You don't want to get out of bed. If you start counting to 10, you never make it to 10 before you're out of bed. You know, you like, that was my, that was my golden rule. And never, I never broke that. I, I walked in the snow. I did all those things, all the hilarious cliche things to get to 5.15 AM swimming at whether it was in Kingston, Ontario or at boarding school. Fast forward 30 odd years and I lay in bed and I, I know, we all know now the morning routines, how important this is. We've all done, we were like, what would Hooverman do? We've all got that like silly, like little fuchsia going in our head now. Um, and yet I don't, you know, there are many days where I know that if I get up, I have a large glass of water, I go outside, I walk around the block, I gets low angle sunlight in my eyes. I get a certain amount of activity, blah, 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 blah. And yet (laughs) I don't. (laughs) So I go through that same fluctuation as everybody else does. And I I don't know if it's, is it because I don't have a, a, a hard set goal? I don't have something that I'm working and aspiring to probably. It's probably very simple like that, but I also don't want a hard set goal. I like right now I'm playing tennis at one o'clock today. I'm going to play pickup soccer with the boys tonight at seven. Um, I mix activity into my day. Um, and then otherwise I have a whole work list here that I just keep plugging away through and uh, I have my own system for it. I, I like splice plans. So I like chop my day up into little splices and all the, bloody techniques out there because just like everybody else, I struggle with getting shit done. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I don't know. I mean, I try and have aspirational adventures, excursions. We're going for our big paddling trip this year where we free dive and and fish all day and just float along. And I admit that I was talking to Jackson laundry recently and I was like, you know why you're doing all this training now is so you can have old man strength later. I like having old man strength. It's so fun. It's, I didn't realize that when I was racing and training, I thought I was doing it for now. And at the, you know, at the time for, for results and podiums. No, I tell you what, the best part is having old man strength now. Cause I can like, I can not paddle for six months and then I can get in very inclement weather and I can old man strength my way home. 
And that's super fun. And I get a little moment of ego. <laughs> I just get a little snippet. Uh, and then, uh, yeah. And, and then, you know, coincidentally, is it, iron- is it irony? I was, I, I was, a st- I struggled as a swimmer all the way through. I made my way to eventually being front pack swimmer. And now I can't run. Pippa and I, Evelyn and I went to the track for getting ready for one of her events. And I can't run 400 meters as fast as I used to run. 10k <laughs> like one, one lap i cannot run for the life of me one lap and i stood there at the end i was like, <gasps> and I was like oh my oh wait a minute like, i used to run that for 10k i get on the bike and i get two and a half hours in my neck's sore and i'm like i'm just blowing to pieces but I can swim like a motherfucker now. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, have, I bought I bought a Deboer. I bought a Deboer suit, the ocean suit. I got the full. I sent Alex the thing. I said, I don't want anything. I just want a suit. I'm going to buy the suit. I want the hoodie, the whole thermo hoodie. I'm that guy. I just bought the Aquasphere whatever those big, huge face goggles. Oh, yeah. yeah. Sam Long's oh, yeah, ad yeah. worked on me. Sam yes. Long's got that big uh-huh. ad with yeah. it. I was like, I need a pair yeah, of those. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so advertising works. Good job, Sam Long. Um, and so, yeah, I can, now I'm that guy. I'm out in the ocean, off the point. The waves are going crazy. And people, and I, my little moment of performing on stage and seeing people on stage, on shore going like, what the actual fuck is that guy doing? And I'm like, out <laughs> <laughs> there with paddles on and just loving my life. So, uh, yeah, that's what I do now. I don't know, long winded answer to a short question, but that's what I do now. Well, no, I mean, yeah. like, it's completely relatable where it's like you're adapting uh, sport to your life rather than like your life having to adapt around mm-hmm. sport, right? Mm-hmm. And so, like, that's the struggle that every age grouper in the world has to deal with on a daily basis, right? Like I know for myself, like I'll never be in the same shape that I was 10 years ago, right? Because like life is just totally different now and that's okay. But um, like being able to do something on dad strength and dad Watts is like just an A plus experience because it's like, yes, I get yeah. that little taste of yeah. what it used to be like, right? And it's, That's it's so more funny. than enough. I played back-to-back soccer games in the summer, and the guys on my team were just like, I can't believe you just did that. I'm like, what are you fucking talking about? I used to ride like, we, I used to swim 7K. Sunday mornings, we would swim 7, we would ride 2 hours, and we would run Whatever it was, like massive days. It was half of what Blumenfeld does every day, but it was a big day for me back then. And then and they're like, you played. I'm like, yeah, I get to sub here and walk around the field. This is not, this is not <laughs> endurance. <laughs> I got, I, was like, I got old man strength now. So yes. um, yeah, I like that dad watts. Yeah, got some dad watts for sure. So, so one thing I wanted to ask you before we leave and you and you go play your your tennis match you've been back in the relationship with these athletes right and so you you know you're working for basically a, an online nutrition company the feed and and they're ordering all this stuff and you've got to be talking to them about their training programs and whatnot how big of a difference has it been since you were you know at your peak and the training loads that you were doing compared to the training loads that these athletes are doing today? I have no idea. 
honestly. I, uh, <laughs> I have no idea. I, I didn't train. I trained consistently. Consistency was the key. Joel, that's a Joel, you know, consistency is everything. So I watched a lot of athletes. Top so, wood, carry water, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, yeah. That's, I like that. So, I mean, that's a, that, that's the everyday now is like, you just, you go do the fundamentals first, go do the basics first. But, um, yeah, I, I saw a lot of athletes come through where they do these ep- absolutely epic sessions. They might even do epic weeks. They might even do an epic six months and then they're injured and then they were down and then they started the cycle again. And I had no non-trauma, you know, I crashed a couple of times, so I broke some bones, but I didn't miss any training from, and in 16 years from, from uh, overuse or whatever. Um, so that, that consistency trumps all, um, that was, that was the formula. Um, so I don't know. I don't, I don't pay attention a lot now to what they do. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I guess, I suppose, I suppose I believe people when they talk about what they do for trading. Um, I mostly, um, obviously what the, what the Norwegians have done and, and the level that they've taken it to, um, I'm such, and I'm, you know, again, then you get a guy like Hayden Wild, who I'm just such a massive fan of, or Alex Yee, that just, um, it's great. Georgia Taylor Brown. Do you think what the Norwegians are doing is sustainable? Uh, cause I, I mean, no, cause they, no, they're I, doing, I was about to say, I said stuff. no, but yeah, I say no, but then Olaf and the, they're paying so much attention to the, to the details and quantifying it that, that I, that they'll see the cliff coming before in a way that we had no ability to see, you know, they're just so far ahead in terms of, how they're quantifying what they're doing. So they'll, I assume they'll see it coming before, before we just ran off cliffs because we hadn't, it was, we were running blind. Yeah. Uh, they're ahead of the ticker, you know, they're like, they know what's going on. So I think we'll see. Do you think that approach is sustainable for other athletes without the same sort of backing that the Norwegians have? No, I mean, no, but by definition, you know, that's like, that's funny, like give it 110%. Well, you're, you're paying back that 10, by definition, you're paying back that 10%. So, um, again, I just like seeing, uh, make your, make your average days better. You know, that's like a pretty basic tenant to the whole thing. So, um, yeah, there's, this is a, you know, you can do an entire podcast on quantified self. This like aura ring whoop band existence that we're in now where everything is quantified. And I really enjoyed not doing so much of that. I had an order ring for a little while. Um, I've, it's somewhere around here. You know, I have, uh, I have an old garment over here that I, I like to, you know, use every once in a while. Um, but I have a, yeah, this quantified self thing is going to have interesting consequences. Um, as we move, you know, there's a, there's a big conversation to be had around what uh, what the unintended consequences of quantified self are. That's going to be its whole, you know, we'll, we may look back on this as smoking. So, uh, well, I mean, I was going to we'll say, see. like, I don't need an aura ring to tell me when I wake up in the morning that I feel like shit and maybe I should take a rest day. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's that. There's, there's exactly that. But Ryan, sometimes you need an article to tell you that you should take a rest. 
Well, there's that, but there's also the like, how long till insurance companies come along and tell you like your premium just went up because we've been accessing your data this whole time, you know? So like, good I'm not just, I'm not 1984ing you. That's like, <laughs> that is true. Yeah. That is, that is a truism that is, com- you know, here's a free ring here. I'll pay you to wear this ring, but all by the way, you know, you can't get on that flight because your aura ring tells us that you, whatever, like. There's there's a whole thing. Yeah. I saw this meme the other day, and it was this uh, picture of this just like jacked up liver, and it was uh, it said, you know, this is a picture of your liver when you tell your doctor you only drink like one to two times a week. You know, <laughs> and, it, <laughs> and it was it was pretty funny because you know you you go into those settings and you're just like, oh yeah, like I do way more bad stuff than I give myself credit for and I'm way overworked and <laughs> yeah. you know. Yeah, that's exactly. uh, well Simon's gotta go here pretty soon. You've got you've got another call or you've got a tennis game. Yeah, no, I'm no no I've got you know what I'm doing next is I'm talking to the pickleball people. Yes. Because, yeah. yes, yes. I truly I'm a pickleballer and my mom converted our whole family and so I'm playing tennis today because the person playing can actually play tennis because tennis is a terrible game. If, if one of you can't play very well, it's just a lot of walking around chasing balls. Um, and pickleball solves all that. But uh, yeah, you may see you may see us uh, venturing into the pickleball world soon here. So uh, I'm going to have a, a call with uh, with the Dink. <laughs> true story. I didn't make that up. It's, that's the that's the hub of all things pickleball. So uh, I've learned it. it's a part of the job I really enjoy actually is, is exploring these, you know, we got to meet uh, Justin Barcia from uh, the motorsport um, motocross guy. Yeah. And gosh, his whole world is so fascinating. And to hear just, you know, to see a guy just apply himself the way Justin is and why it's just this endless thirst for knowledge and thirst for how can I do better? It's uh, that's been a fun part of the job. So I'm off to learn, uh, you know, what it is in the pickleball world that uh, makes people tick and where it is that uh, we might fit into that. So that's next for me. Um, and then, yeah, at some point today, I'm going to go play tennis and muck around, pretend I can hit a ball. I can't serve to save my life. So that part when's the next time you and I are going to hang out? We, we, we had some plans for the summer. I want to ride bikes. I got a trek top. I got a trek top fuel that I want to go show off. That's so, right. That's uh, right. New bike day yesterday. I I made it up the the big climb. So uh, yeah, we'll go mountain biking. I was going to do Leadville, but I I can't. How excited are you? Like that's the first. What that's like the first mountain bike you've gotten in what like ten years? Yeah, specialized uh, way back in the day. Well, I was thinking actually ten years ago I bought I I bought a trek domain. Was it domain? What's whatever that one yeah. was with the elastomer in it? I bought, it was yeah. the first bike I'd bought in 20 years. And I bought one. I just, I said, I walked in. I was like, I, I, I got to try that bike. That's awesome. Um, and then I, I said, I don't know. I sold it maybe a year later. And this time, yeah, I'm riding a Trek Top Fuel. I walked into the Trek Pro City store here in Victoria. And Bill said, that's the bike you should get. And I said, that sounds good. And uh, so Penny Flake, I think it's called. It's like copper. I got, you know, I got, you got to get copper <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. uh, yeah, I was going to do level, um, but I chickened out cause I don't want to do the altitude training. I don't want to do the acclimation for that. <laughs> so I bailed so I can go on our camping trip. Um, it's so probably yeah, a good that's decision at this point. 
based on my experience, you know, jumping into a schema race at Copper Mountain in in April, like showing up, no acclimation, no nothing, and being like, yeah, this will be fine after 500 yards. Oh, death. Good choice. Dad strength does not work with altitude. <laughs> does not work at altitude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly it. I didn't want to... I didn't want to uh, walk up every climb, so I ju- honestly that, and I just want to be at home for August. So that was yeah. you can see how I prioritize now. <laughs> yeah, well, we gotta we gotta plan a um, a mountain biking um, camping trip. Yeah, maybe you I can come up. We can meet meet in the middle. Sweet. Be- Bevan Doherty's in too. He's he's got the RV now. Oh yeah, so, yeah, yeah. That's Sweet, cool. right on. Right, I'll bring the cowboy cauldron. Yeah, bring we'll, the cowboy uh, cauldron. I'll bring the. Yeah, I'll bring my mountain bike. We'll get the, we'll get out there. So I'll bring my very unique camping setup, which is just an old, I took an old, uh, a paddleboard came in this big bag. And I was like, wait a minute, that's like kind of perfect size here. So I, my camping setup now is just this big bag with a sleeping bag and a sleeping mat in it and a, and a huh? tarp over time. I just throw the fly over top and I'm all set. So it's just <laughs> those bush league you know, gumbo, you know, camping setup. I absolutely love it. So, yeah. That's My awesome. little monitor is going, uh, you got to go talk to yeah. the dink. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, Simon, thanks for uh, joining us today. We, we appreciate it. I, uh, it's, it's, it's actually is a fun, you know, slow twitch is an original Dan Anfield was my first ever sponsor, gave me a QR, gave me a Quintanaroo back in the day. And so, um, anything to be, you know, reconnected with slow twitch. It's, uh, it's like a heart and soul community within our triathlon family. So, uh, yeah, thanks for having me fellas. That was fun. We appreciate it. Thanks much. All right. See you, both. Thanks, everybody, for joining us on the uh, episode three of the Slow Twitch podcast. Um, this will be coming off tomorrow. When's Thursday? Thursday, June 1st. Giddy up. Yeah. And uh, we'll see everybody later. Thanks, all. <laughs>